0: Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Alan Treitz and great health does not have to be a mission impossible. And today we're going to talk about uh, the effects of mold and mycotoxins and uh, detoxification when it comes to long hauler syndrome, COVID. Keep in mind that 30% of everybody who's had COVID is going to have long hauler syndrome, uh, the research that's come out. And so we have to start to understand really what the process is. So your body, is born and reborn again about every three days. So the cells inside your, your mouth live for about three days and um, the process here is called autophagy. And the autophagy is not only the death of an old cell but it's the birth of a new one. It's recycling of the materials, the debris, the junk that gets to be taken out of the body and then you come up with something new. And so this is a wonderful uh, an elegant way of the immune system to clean things up now you have to have the lymphatic system which was what is like kind of the river that the, the lymph system goes through and you have to have the right amount of essential fatty acids and you can't have too much inflammation or that that system slows down now in long covid this beautiful process of autophagy is slowed down if not interrupted and so you don't have this normal cycle of cell death and celebratory birth and instead you get a lot of crap that gets put in and, and that becomes the problem so now we have uh toxic issue so instead of autophagy we have something called necrosis which is death these are incomplete removal so if you've ever seen um, like a burn victim so one time um, I was unlucky 18 years old my hand got caught in a conveyor belt and it did a lot of damage to the joint on my wrist and my elbow and I'm okay with that um, because that healed but what happened was the conveyor belt between when I was trying to pull my arm out of, of the conveyor belt. I guess my shoulder got a little messed up too. Um, the, the conveyor belt was going on my arm and just eating up my skin until we were able to turn the damn thing off. And so, from my elbow down to my wrist, essentially the layer of skin is gone. Uh, we're we're down to grinding into muscle. So it's a burn. Then it had to be treated like a burn. So. Uh, after I went through, I mean, I, I could move my arm for about three months or even squeeze things, but in the process of doing that, I got to go to the burn victim unit uh, at outpatient, and you have to soak your arm in this this solution, and then some nurse gets to come pick at your arm the cellular debris, this necrosis that's going on there. I know that sounds disgusting, and, and by the way, it's not pleasant, hurt like hell, um, before they could ever do plastic surgery because this necrosis process is going through there. And so a lot of times in long, long haul COVID, you're getting into uh, the autophagy is turned off and you get into necrosis. So you're not able to get rid of the crap that's there um, to turn it back on. So this is, and I know we'll get into treatments a little bit later, but this is sort of why it's our long COVID individuals we use and, and anybody really is having trouble recovering. And this is, this is the diet that I use the most, uh, even for myself, is because I understand autophagy. And intermittent fasting is one of the best things to approach COVID because autophagy isn't happening. Now, I bring this up because we have a toxic issue, and I need the body to start making energy so that it can detoxify itself. Now, energy comes from the mitochondria. The mitochondria, powerhouse of the cell, we all kind of know that, but what does that really mean? <laughs> it's, it's, it's what makes energy. Power energy is coming through there and it it comes through something known as ATP. And when you can't produce ATP efficiently, things wear out. We die. Um, And so um, they have to be reborn or they go through a process called mitophagy, which is the analog of autophagy. So we want this clean up and cycle. And and this, this mitochondria is extremely important. So a lot of people um, uh, Cipro is as a medication that uh, antibiotic that goes in and just literally destroys the ability for the the electron transport system to make ATP. So you went from like thirty six units of ATP to like four to six. It's it's not good. Well, there are chronic fatigue syndromes. There is Lyme disease. There is Epstein Barr. There is uh, fibromyalgia. There is autoimmunity that gets in there and it, it, it inhibits the fiber or the the actual mitochondria from making ATP so you have less energy so you get more fatigue then you have more inflammation you get more pain and then you just kind of go downhill from there so getting the mitochondria to to look at it this is where we look at genetics sometimes to to peek at that but we also can look at blood tests to see how you're really doing or to do tests in the office hey you do this and do this and how do you recover from this Um, but mitochondria do lose their jobs or their ability to do their job over time and that's normal so that's why uh, people start to take supplements usually in their 30s and 40s is trying to help that and at about the age of 25 your ability to make uh, atp starts to slow down a little bit because you're not making what's called coq10 to get the blood to go places i mean there's just there's there's this things but there's also toxins in our environment Could you be exposed to a metal such as mercury lead or cadmium and arsenic um air pollution uh we can get it through our water supply we can get it the 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 of the, the water we drink because keep in mind so many medications aren't even filtered they're trying to make sure you when you drink this you're not getting E. coli but you're still getting a dose of birth control you're still going to get a dose of prozac or a partial dose of it because they, they didn't get broken down that's not how our water supply um, breaks down so a lot of these people were like you've got to get a filter and if you're going to get a gray one get a berkey uh, i don't get kit back for new thing but this is where we we want to get these uh, things that that can get back together so your body can make energy i don't want to have anything in the way that can stop the body from making energy, and that's where, where toxic load comes in, and why we use infrared saunas, why we use uh, chelating materials, why we support the liver, why we support uh, the breakdown of this and that. So we can, we can talk about toxins for a whole long time. Um, can't ignore it uh, in our house. We have um, air filters pretty much in every room. I'm checking the temperature, uh, the humidity within our house to make sure the mold doesn't come in. Uh, that's, that's a big thing. Uh, some people live out in the, the West Coast, and you get, um, wildfires and these little um smoke particles get in and they're extremely small like two and a half microns which is gonna get through a mask because if you remember uh, a, a few times ago a, a mask n 95 mask has like a 300 to 300 micron size so they're they're gonna get through there but at least maybe maybe you block something who knows but as they get in there they, they can start to do things well what if what if it's heated what if it's heated and it's next to mercury or cadmium and arsenic what, what if you're going through the typical forest where there is arsenic everywhere Um, or chromium, you get these other pollutants that get in there and they start to react, and so the body will react to it. Can it create a mast cell reaction? Absolutely. Can it create an autoimmune condition? Absolutely. So we have to look at what can we do to help these people, and this is like also pre- and post-COVID or long hauler syndrome of what's going on. So with that... um, There, there's a, a particle count uh, from 2020, and this is, this is the, the research that came out, um, a particle count. They went from 35 to 500 in 2020, particle counts. And then when we're talking about this, when San Francisco turned orange in 2020, it turned orange during a fire, wildfire outside. So the particle count went up um, from 35 to 50. Now, in that population, they had a 400 time risk of getting COVID. 400 times, yeah. That's not that's not misquoted. You have a 400 time increased risk of getting COVID because of a particle that you're inhaling. Uh, now, this fire was eventually put out in like three or four days, but people already had asthma. Kids and adults who already had COPD had a higher risk uh, of that. We already had people who had allergies. Um, and, and while we can't stop wildfires from occurring, I mean, they'll happen. I'm I mean, just telling you what this is a toxic issue that the particles that were in the air went up so much. Um, it, it affected, and, and the rate of incidence for just COVID went up dramatically. So we really got to keep, keep our respiratory. Checks intact, um, or what we gonna, what we do at our homes. So the filtration just alone inside of our house and inside of our water, it, it doesn't seem to be a mu- much. But again, most of your general medicine, most of your m- medical facilities, they're not they're not talking about this. Um, but it is a, a big deal. More pollution you have has an increased risk for heart attack or stroke, which is like number one and number two causes of death in the United States. But we're not talking about that. But I am so. Um, what I want to get back to is do any of these things affect your autophagy? Um, can they? Yeah, of course. So obviously we don't want to have toxic exposure. We're not going to go move to Chernobyl and hang out there for a minute. Um, but, but there are some people who have toxins or their ability. They can't break down toxins or they've had toxins in their life or they had, let's say they, um, you know, who wasn't a poor college student (laughs) or just. You maybe you didn't go to college, you're still poor. Or, you know, let's say you got a, I mean, um, some of the richest people I know uh, are plumbers. and No ifs, ands, or buts. But what's their environment that they're in? It's, in the nicest way, it's a shitty environment. But, you know, nobody wants to do it, so they get to charge whatever they want to not have somebody, not, not you know, to have somebody else do it. So that they're exposed to a lot of, of toxins. What does that do? So to their, to their immune system, well, hopefully it, Exposes them to them enough that builds it up. But over time, it can start to break things down. But that's just the way that anything is in life. If we start burning more stuff, if we start, um, you know, uh, I inter- you know I had an N95 mass in our house for years. I used it um, when I went out and mowed the lawn. I used it when I had to use chemicals or I used it. I, my dad is a huge woodworker. I am not anything close to my, my father. I mean, he literally built a three car garage to put more wood in. <laughs> so, and then, you know, build whatever he could. But, you know, when it came to um, those things, whether if I could smell it through an N95 mask, it's getting through my N95 mask. So then I would move to a respirator, so varnish and stain and what, whatnot. But when we were cutting wood, and I mean cutting wood, taking two by fours and um, making them into um, post office boxes, well, you're, you're doing a lot of cuts. And so there's a, a ton of, of dust. Wood dust out there, and you know, we we never for those we wouldn't use um, treated wood, but treated wood has a, a whole another set of principles of things you inhale of what goes along. But you don't know where the woods come from. Uh, did it go down the river? Did it get an arsenic in it? Did it have this or that? I mean, there's there's all kinds of things. So in 95 worked great, and when you did other things, you 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 covered up um, and did that. But um, you know, most people have a life that they went through or you know, um, maybe they went camping. There's um, They made fires. Maybe you have a a fire at home. Maybe you have a lot of, um, you don't have hardwood floors, you have carpet. Well, you're getting exposed to all these things as it comes along. Well, the main organs to detoxification are the kidneys, the liver, and the skin. Um, And so we, we, while there's a lot of products that do a really good job with the liver, what is the kidney and the skin doing? So we look at this again, mast cell activation that comes along that we just talked about, and is there having any problems? Are we seeing any 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 red flags or warning signs? And what is the kidney and liver doing too? Um, because that has a lot to do with how the body detoxifies. And really, if you can get the liver to calm down too, you can you can do a lot to help with mast cell activation, um, as well as making sure that they don't have an underlying issue such as Lyme mold exposures in their house. Go there's plates you can get and send them off. Um, mycotoxin exposure um, babesia, those kind of things so they're, they're they're important to get what I see with people who start to have toxic issues is when they were pumping gas five years ago nothing happened they pump gas now they get a headache that's a problem um, now sometimes it can be mast cell sometimes it's just your body's becoming immune intolerant meaning your your body's reacting to tolerance in the world so BPA is another thing that can get out there uh, and we're seeing so much with Roundup and now Roundup seems to have a connection because of the um, seeds. Roundup is attached to gluten so are these gluten sensitivities a gluten reaction maybe maybe not or is it the immune reaction that's reacting to Roundup which okay so I think it's both but this is a bigger deal. I don't think that we have more than 1% or 2% of the population that truly has gluten sensitivities. And like one-tenth of that group is what's called celiac. Then the rest of them are there. The problem is when we run blood tests on 75% of the individuals or we run a a metadata test, about 75% of the United States population have a gluten sensitivity. But I think 72% of those are a reaction to Roundup. Um, because it's the, the it Roundup is now connected to it, so it's making a different type of molecule, and the antibody is mm-hmm. attaching to all that. And so then they get a whole world of stuff that comes through that. So I just want to be clear um, that you know, just by being gluten free or dairy free, all these things aren't going to go away, um, but it can help, especially when you're starting to react to all kinds of things to dampen the immune system or to help with the mast cell that goes on there. And what? Uh, it, it's going to come down to what you do and what you take care of because uh, government i mean they, they've said hey let's make this bpa pre or bpp free but uh, not really and there's a couple thousand other um things that are pre that are approved even in the last year that are okay for human use and we know they're not um what what they're trying to look for is what the toxic level is well if you're already toxic one little level of something else is is going to create an immune response and that's the problem um and, and how do you you get around that? So you you start to learn how to eat clean. You start to learn how to live clean. You you know you, your pots and pans. We don't want to necessarily use copper because that can come out and do, create a different response. Uh, we don't certainly don't want to use lead pans. Um, but we also don't want to have things that have anti stick because that comes off and it creates a response. So um, big deal. And, and by the way, these these toxins can reactivate infections, just like mast cell, just like. Uh, all the things that I'm, I've, I've been going through. So um, that's 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 a really good starting point for that. Of course, the National Academy of Sciences um, did a research on twenty eight hundred municipal water facilities in the United States, and they found that most of them contain carcinogens that cause thyroid disease, reproductive toxins, meaning and fertility issues. Uh, they contribute to diabetes. They're called obesogens uh, as well. They make you fat, and liver disease. Awesome. Not not alcohol is liver disease. Just drinking the water. And the sad part is they're called forever chemicals. So they're they're there forever. They they will not go away. They, the carbon date and how they break down is going to take together. And then they start to get bonded together. So then they get like we'll call it a Franken chemical. And and as they get there, um, it starts to affect even how the body even looks at it. So it creates more of an immune response. Of these franken chemicals, even though um, they never go away, what the research is showing is taking between 27 and 33 years for your body to get rid of it. Okay. So as you continually expose these things, you get to what's called immunotoxicity and to a toxic load that comes along. And uh, Unfortunately, the EPA isn't. It's is, is going is to take care of you. <laughs> so, anything you can do to help filtrate. I mean, if, if you are any budget, it's like at least get zero water. Um, it's a little bit better than a Brita filter. It's something. If um, you got like fifty bucks around, and it doesn't matter if you live in an apartment or your own home, you can get a filter that starts to filter stuff out when you put take a shower, because most people really suck at drinking water, myself included. Um, I, I'm as guilty as everyone else, but um, I have wax and weight where I'm really, really good, and then I just absolutely suck at doing it. So in the process of doing that, how much water do you drink a day? 32 ounces? 100 ounces? Okay. Take a shower. How long do you stand in that shower? How much water is going on your skin? A heck of a lot more than 32 ounces. So you're going to expose these things. So if you you're on a budget, start there. Uh, and then start getting the plastics out that uh, you possibly can. Don't drink out of plastic. Drink out of glass. Try not to eat it on plastic. Um, you know, the the budgeter will eat on plat, uh, paper plates, plastic plates. Get that get that crap out of your system. Uh, be put your nose in the air a little bit and eat off of porcelain plates. I promise you. And same with uh, drinks. You know, I want. Um, I do go to. Um, a place that has coffee that's green and white that has a little girl in the front, a mermaid, I guess you could say. Um, but when I get my drink, I take the top off. That's a plastic lid. That plastic lid drops um, xeno xenohormones, uh, phytoestrogens into my drink. I don't want that. Uh, I don't want man boobs, but it it'll also, it's a, it's a hormone endocrine disruptor that then screws up everything else and hormones are important for the immune system too. So no, I don't want that. Or um, if I'm lucky, I take my stainless steel... Um, or a Yeti or anything that I have, and I just pour it in there. Now I'm good. So, that's there, there are some little things you can do, um, uh, that can start to, to break things down. You can get air purifiers throughout your home. Um, you can have your air quality checked, you can have your ventilation checked and tested and cleaned, and, and we do all those things. But charcoal filtration doesn't get, um, Fluoride out of the water or many other contaminants. You have to use something like a reverse osmosis. Um, so anyway, uh, I just thought I'd throw that out there, but at least it's something. It's not going to get everything up, but if you are on a budget and you're doing something, you're not microwaving um, plastic in, uh, in the, the microwave is another thing that that we see um, that goes on there. So uh, one of the things that has BPA is a lot of canned food has, even even like your canned drink, they have BPA around it so it flows out of there. Well, that's a, an immune disruptor, so we want to stay away from BPA. These are little toxic heads up, and I, I've got things that go through there. But if you think you have a um, toxic load, what you can do is there's a test that uh, it's, it's, it's a urine test. You do a urine test. You take something called EDTA, and then you pee again, and then we see what your load is. But that only tells you exposure, okay? So hair samples, please do not use hair samples for toxic loads. That's, that's not clinical. Uh, urine samples are and then what's the better test to find out what's going on is an actual antibody test and cyrus lab uses that so if you have an antibody to let's say bpa we got a big problem so you can have bpa and it's at a toxic level in your body and your body's toxic to it that's a completely different response than if somebody has an immunological response to it that is immune intolerance so as, as i've gone through this with mast cell activation uh, syndrome and immune intolerance there's different um I guess we could say nomenclature as to, to where these, these come about. And, and so many of these things lead to brain disorders and cardiovascular disorders and Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, those kind of things. I, I just want to be, um, uh, put that up and to be aware. So our next topic uh, that we have to talk about is mold sensitivities and herpes viridae. Right, so now I'm gonna get into the mold side of it, and mold is in what's called the fungal kingdom, and you can have mold and yeast. Um, mold thrives in every single climate. They, they thrive uh, all over the world. They thrive in dampness, and it's really dependent on how much dampness they have and what they need. And they need organic material, which is dust, dirt, or standard debris, like um, if you've ever seen one growing on the side of a tree, uh, that's an that organic material that they're eating. <clears throat> And one of these things that they create or their side effect is called mycotoxins. And mycotoxins are secondary metabolites, just like we breathe off carbon dioxide. And mycotoxins are defense molecules that get in the body and they're very difficult to get rid of. They can get into microbiome, they can disrupt it, uh, they can cause plaqueing um, layers and other things that go with it. So again, mycotoxins are the, the biggest issue that comes along with people who are exposed to, Excuse me, people that are exposed to mold. Now, a lot of people may not have any symptoms that come along, but there's water damage in their building in their home and they're exposed to mold and they have mycotoxins that are in them, but maybe they get away with it because their immune system is checking up. But then mycotoxins have a really interesting way of suppressing the immune system. So when somebody has chronic herpes viridae family issues, mono epstein-barr cytomegalovirus uh, shingles um because chickenpox kind of you only get about once but there could be um herpes one herpes two these things that that come along now they have uh cold sores that continue to, to go around and mycotoxins so they they kind of co-infect they co-send each other and going into another way and so there are a lot of foods that actually have aflatoxin which is mold that are on there and they upregulate epstein-barr um, and sudden megalovirus in the acute faces, so people have to stay away from aflatoxin-based foods and that's essentially corn and wheat. Um, those are the main contributors of there. So when people get sick, they usually come to the office, they have to go corn and dairy and wheat free anyway to try to get some of these down. But really part of it is uh, aflatoxin. And, and there's a test that we can run even in the office that shows that they have an aflatoxin response that goes through there um, or uh, other things. And that can still be um, a micro aflatoxin is just a, a type of mycotoxin that goes in there. In some studies, um, this combination, like when they do the two of them into mice, they actually get an immune system, immune system that gets suppressed and they get immunosuppression. And then there's a combination of mold to cytomegalovirus and expose them to the, uh, one of the toxins. It's called a gliotoxin which is made it from a lot of indoor molds and this combination creates stuff that's what's in our biofilm. Now, there are a lot of products that are out there that try to break down biofilms. The, the point of the, breaking down the biofilm is that when you have biofilm, like this combination of glutotoxin and cytomegalovirus, instead of the immune system going, hey, there's a virus there, it's not a me, we need to kill it, it doesn't. It fills the response the, uh, to cytomegalovirus and then it starts to add up. So understand that in what we're talking about when we're talking about um, chronic COVID. I mean, that's really what it is. Chronic COVID, post-COVID, long syndrome, etc. cetera. They're all the same thing. So this is how COVID can lay a foundation for mold infections and vice versa as we go through this whole process. Okay, so 50% of the homes in the United States have either current or historic issues with water damage that, that's enough and so you get you have the potential for mold to be going there and then there's certain types of fungal infections that create um, neuropsychosis issues and it really happened and it cre- increased twofold two hundred percent during the pandemic and that was because most people stayed home and so as you stay home you have a two to three times more mold exposure and your lifestyle changed. And as you stayed home, you didn't get out and do things. You didn't get exposed to things. So your microbiota and flora changed and for the most part changed for the difference. And this is called dysbiosis. And we're not just talking about in the gut, but in, in the rest of the body. You have you know, trillions of cells that aren't yours, but that's what's called your microbiota or microbiome. And so dysbiosis didn't just start in the gut. But yeah, it could be part of the gut. But then you start getting biofilms. And uh, every single system, we have biofilms in our lungs, we have biofilms on our, our skin and our eyeballs, and, and it's there. And so you get mold, and then you have other things that are there, yeast, and another name for yeast is candida. Uh, and then it starts to, to change. Now, as the body goes through an inflammatory uh, condition, and in what we call acute phase reactions we, we, we react tense that we talked about previously, we liberate, liberate what's called free iron, and free iron floats around for the body, and the fungus, or fungi, come along and they eat it. And an iron to a uh, fungus is what is the powerhouse itself. That's like literally speeding their their, uh, mitochondria to make ATP. And so this is where uh, clinically, just a side note, I'm very, very cautious about just giving people free-floating iron into their immune immune system I want them to eat it. Um, And then I have a whole cascade of slides we talk about in the office about what free iron does. Even if somebody's iron deficient, I want to make sure that they don't have iron a chronic disease on uh, that putting iron into the body. So let's say they have free floating iron that's out there, but all their red blood cells say they're iron deficient or their ferritin's low. Okay, so many practitioners, it doesn't matter uh, medical, natural, I don't care. They just go ahead and throw iron in there. But this free floating iron, especially in the cases of anybody that's had mold or candida it usually just kicks the living crap out of them I and it creates fentanyl reactions and, and all these things. And they get um, not only a microbiome disruption as this comes up again, my biofilms they have all kinds of neurological symptoms that go with it. So, I, I just want to paint the picture that there these co infections that come along and then they have a tendency at times to start kicking ferritin up. And so, with the pandemic we're starting to see elevated ferritin elevated iron elevated TIBC that we see with other infections and it's telling us that there's something going on but but what really happens when you start to get too much iron in the body it creates oxidative stress and so oxidation is like rusting it's aging you you have to take antioxidants to offset that but how many antioxidants do you have and how do you how well do you test it as it goes along so um be be very very cautious with iron and if you have had candida yeast um So yeast on the lungs is is typically what um, is asthma. So if you have these things or you've been exposed to um, mold or you've had to have remediation in your home, it's a lot easier for COVID to enter your body because there is a uh, microbiome that is out of balance. And then that that COVID that comes in has an ability to recharge and activate other infections or to have your body have acute phase reactions or to release iron and then just it's this vicious cycle that continues to go so you have to treat both when it comes to there and, and the more mold you have the more mycotoxins and mycotoxins create more inflammation they subdue the immune response and 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 at some point the body can't protect itself from other exposures so maybe you have a loved one that has hsv um uh, for the, the lip you have a, a virus that, that you get a cold sore and you've never got it and you've been around them for 20 years and all of a sudden you get it that's a pretty dead gum good red flag that there's something that's 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 going on so we have to be aware of all these things that are happening what what apps actually happens uh, with the process and what happens when you inflame tissue you create something called cellular debris and this is um dead tissue that comes along i'm gonna get a little more detail that, that comes along with cellular debris when it gets into something called necrosis so when you bring in something to immune or the body immunologically reacts to it you get um swelling that's that's one of the big things and so when people get it on their lung so when you have a cold you get the, or a uh, you get junk in your lungs and then this stuff has to come up and it's it's more or less a swamp and so if, if you have you know this snotty congested thing you're not going to go out and run super fast because you, you can't get the oxygen in and that's called hypoxia but the the problem was when we get have a epoxy you create more inflammation and then you damage tissues and then other things happen such as allergic reactions or the increase in the case of covid getting to the bloodstream getting to other other things so um it, it, it can become scary and becoming a, a little bit more of a problem when we have people that are exposed to mycotoxins because of the way that these toxins microtoxins from the the fungus candida have an effect on the uh, immune system and they start to affect um, it even more so one of the things that um are, or are produced by one of the very very common environmental um fungus that is called aspergillus not all of them produce mycotoxins but a lot of them do so clinically Hypothetically, there could have been mold in your home, and uh, maybe you just had a little bit in your home. A little bit of um, uh, rhinitis. Maybe somebody just had a little bit of achiness. Maybe they get sick a little bit more than the other one. Maybe they're allergic to it, something like that. Um, but anyway, what I'm saying is they had a, a, an elevated immune response, something that's going on. Um, and then we have this pandemic. Now you got to stick home. Now you're getting, um, there was already mold in the house, and you're getting more and more exposed to this this thing that comes along. And so COVID comes along now. Now you get COVID. You get a COVID shot. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. we we talked about that in, in detail. And on, on the surface, they're different. But mold mycotoxins, COVID, appear to look the same to the immune system. As more and more time passes with COVID, the classification of COVID is probably going to be like uh, systemic blood vessel infl- inflammatory condition. So that, that's what we're seeing at, at the detail now mold microtoxins also are systemic and they affect organ systems just very similar to like COVID does so it's that again this is where the overlap comes in and it's a vicious cycle that, that continues to come in um, when you start to have systemic vascular blood vessel disease um, we know that it goes to the circulatory system it goes to the brain it goes to the lungs it goes to the immune system because these things have to be very vascular in nature that they're, so they're, I'm not going to guess that we're going to have a whole lot of back pain that comes it or disectomies because they're avascular. But these other things that are that are there is there. So I'm, I'm going to encourage people to um, run any type of test you possibly can in your house to make sure that you have um, little to no exposure. You're going to have it when it goes out. Um, and if you have a gut issue, you're going to have to deal with what we talked about earlier, mast cell. Uh, and, and before you like, oh, I've got mold, let's go ahead and get rid of the mold. And so this is where I have a fundamental problem. It's I, I call it fundamental physiology with so many practitioners of any nature, but so many in my field. Uh, you've got mold, you've got lime, you've got this. We're going to kill this thing. Um, hold a second, because as you kill things, it creates a toxic level. So let's say you kill yeast. You create acetaldehyde, and there's Herxheimer reactions and other things that come along with it. But you can have a Herxheimer reaction for a million things. But the, at, the, at the very base of that, um, that is a mass cell activation syndrome So we have to get the mast cells under control and then we do like pre-tox work to make sure that we can turn down The backdoor noise and make sure that the immune system is modulated like we'll just be very very brief vitamin D Is an immune modulator does it mean it makes enhances or no it just helps it regulate the way it's supposed to go But some modulation is and then we can go after killing things so we can get there and then we can go into the Detoxification so this is where the process goes through there And, and so many practitioners don't understand the physiology of how the immune system works, the physiology of detoxification, and so so many patients do something and they feel absolutely awful. And, and it's not that nobody in our office has never felt awful when we've done a procedure, but when something happens like that, diagnostic and we go, holy crap, uh, you didn't have any symptoms of mast cell activation, you didn't have any symptoms of this secondary infection that came along with it, um, and you certainly didn't tell us, so now we have to go back and we're going to ask a whole bunch of new questions and we're going to go, okay, found it, done, okay, time out. Well, we started on phase three, and you really need to be on phase one, um, but you didn't have any clinical signs or any any, that you could remember. You know, uh, let's say at two years old, I slipped and hit my toe. Um, And, you know, for whatever reason, that that toe was a trigger to the meridian that went to my tooth, and the tooth has been infected in my life, and I've had to have it pulled, or or there's a root canal in that area. Um, I mean... You can't be that <laughs> thorough in a, in, a, in a new patient exam with the history and everything like that. But these things do happen. So we have to go back and, and take a look at it. And so with that, with the tooth and the example that goes on, I'm going to talk a little bit about the oral microbiome. And, and here's such a big deal. So we run a full body thermography in our office. And we see so many of these things that come off the teeth uh, with the the. Oral microbiome, and, and here's the thing: if you have gum disease, the body's ability to regulate blood sugar is is hosed. In fact, you have a seven times greater ability of developing type two diabetes, which is a risk factor for for COVID and long long hauler syndrome. And the type two di- diabetes is a really what it comes down to is you have a tremendous amount of periodontal inflammation and in the tooth decay of the microbiome in the mouth. And so, periodontal disease was really kind of misunderstood and and, but it's basically 80 percent of infectious disease has a link to your mouth and i got to hang out with dr Stephen moss a few times in in seminars and and doing things but he was one of the early researchers that went through um a lot of the the testing that, that went through there and the idea of making sure that the microbiome is set is so that it's resilient to infections doesn't really matter where it's come from. Um, when you have Lyme disease or COVID and these other things, or other systemic pathogens, Candida overgrowth, uh, Vibesia, um, Epstein-Barr virus, you you have a, a, a displacement that's going in there. And so the idea is that you want to get on top of that. Um, why can people have these things? Well, sometimes it's co- or Candida overgrowth. Um, that they have too much yeast and that they're feeding it, and then if you have too much yeast, well, what can feed yeast? Well, there could be too much iron. Well, what could be too much iron? And acute phase reaction. Well, insulin and elevated blood sugar, such as A one C, elevated blood sugar issues can be adding to that because they're not allowing to metabolize the 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 um, sugars. Well, what is a typical American diet full of? A ton of those. <laughs> so, and that there's there's some reasons as to going through there. So with microbial homeostasis, your immune system is working optimally. Uh, not just in your mouth, but in the rest of the body. So you have like 6 to 10 billion bacteria. Um, they're not yours. They're they're bacteria that's living in symbiotically. Now, the bacteria in your mouth, it actually takes minerals from saliva to remineralize your teeth. So, and you know, there's... there's Through the ages of time, people have not brushed their teeth, not gone to a dentist, and still had white, shiny teeth. Um, but it had to do with their microbiome. It, it wasn't just, hey, do this, hey, do that. Brush your teeth, do this. So... Can you heal your teeth? Yeah, to a certain extent, but once you lost the enamel, you're you're in big trouble. So we want to remineralize, but um, I have to say this because I mean you have to. So there's a lot of of great research books that are out there, and one of them is about the I'm going to say the fallacy of fluoride, um, and that that it how it was really not great science. It's failed public health. Um, fluoride is um, an aluminum toxin when you're min- are making aluminum. and So you got to make money somewhere. So if you show that it can show some sort of health benefit, you put it into the public system, you, you get to sell it. But there are so many fluorinated communities, whether it's in the water. Uh, everybody's using their toothpaste. They're getting a fluoride treatment from their dentist. But yet, it's some of the highest amount of teeth decay. So fluoride fluorinated options are not good. Plus it can disrupt the microbiome. It can go in and displace iodine and other uh, higher level halogens. And um, it really does destabilize the microbiome of the teeth. So when you look at the oral microbiome, it, it doesn't really help remineralize teeth. It's so we've got a problem. Now, ideally, uh, this the microbiome of your mouth brings in molecular oxygen and it it's brings it into the teeth by a semipermeable membrane the transport transports oxygen into the gums and it takes the ionic oxygen or free radical species away these are bad things it takes the bad things away so this is all metabolism and it's all facilitated by a healthy microbiome of your mouth now since i was a kid uh, the history of oral decay where they had um i think the Cavity creepers, creepy cavity, whatever. Um there were all these bad things that were walking around and this this bacteria that wants to, to eat and destroy your your gums and then it'll get into your teeth and then you get a cavity and then they have to drill and that's gonna hurt really bad. So use these things to kill it. Um And so that that makes sense. I mean it really does, but really it's chronic inflammation. Chronic inflammation—what's causing the teeth or the, the gum disease? The number one source of chronic low-grade inflammation to the body is gum disease. Now, many people have gum disease. I mean, we look in the—we're going to look in your mouth if you ever come to our office. We look in your mouth and we look in it often. Say, "Oh, look this. I want to see what your saliva. I want to see if anything that's going on." But people that have gum disease, their, their gums bleed, but. It doesn't necessarily hurt. They, they say, I, I brush my teeth and they bleed, so I guess I'm brushing too hard, maybe, maybe not. But really what it means is you have gingivitis or inflammation of the gums, which is um, periodontal disease. And sometimes it can get a little bit, there's like staging that goes along with it, I think, um, early, moderate, and advanced. And it's a major source of inflammation. And this particular type of inflammation dysregulates, meaning it doesn't help your immune system to be regulated. It's really important. So thousands of studies have been put onto PubMed to support this. So it's not just me saying, hey, you should go do this or do that. Thousands of studies. But if you have gum disease, you have 10 times greater chance of heart disease. So if we see it so often that comes in, um, can you imagine with this pandemic that came out there that's like 10 times more virulent than everything else, um, or I'm sorry, 20 times more virulent than everything else, how those two would go along. And so now we have uh, other issues that come along when you have gum disease. You have um, if you're pregnant, you have a chance of a, a premature baby, a low weight baby, preeclampsia. Um, yeah, and, and and during your pregnancy, OBGYN, so many OB GYNs say don't get dental work, but I'm telling you, you want dental work because you want to make sure that there's no gingivitis. You don't want to have inflammation. You don't want to have something that's going to cause inflammatory proteins and cytokines that can go across the placental barrier and affect a baby. And then it's, they start off their life with an immune. Um, and inflammation and everything that's going on and then we have patients come to the office um, and my ex-wife was in this category too she started uh, losing her teeth or having tooth she didn't lose a tooth but cavities and parts of her teeth were disappearing after she had babies our babies and uh, she was told that the babies had robbed the mother of their calcium Um, there's not any literature to support this uh, in, in fact, it's just a wives' tale. It, really what it is is pregnancy-based gingivitis, which is gum disease. Um, and so we all communicate that you know, between our loved ones, and I, I communicate that to anyone that comes in the door. That's, that's, I'm sorry that somebody said that. And you know, just like I, I was told in school we're supposed to do this and we're never supposed to drink coffee and, and all these things, then I go look and I look on the research and go, okay, what, what's happening? What's, what's really out there? Um, but there's nothing to support that. What well, really comes down to it, the research is supporting that it was gum disease for these women that had that, and that they can create acute, acute phase reactants, and they can get into the placenta and go through there. So, yeah, we do encourage our 2B uh, moms or 2B moms multiple times to go ahead and, and continue with their dental work through that, and I, I would hope that the ob community would look into that a little bit more in detail because I, I know they don't want to harm them. I, I, I haven't met an ob that wants to harm them, uh, I have a conflict of interest when, um, you know, maybe the, um, the delivery date isn't in conjunction with their schedule and they schedule, I think there's way too many um, C-sections. I mean, we are number one by far in the world on that, uh, letting it happen. And there's so much that happens, whereas we're talking here about microbiome, the microbiome really gets set when the baby goes through the vaginal canal, period. If you pull it out in C-section, it, it you have a greater incidence for all the things that we're talking about. I'm way, I'm, I'd be curious to see... Uh, long COVID haulers syndrome and what their relationship to um, um, cesarean is, is going to be at some point, and it's it's going to be astronomical and disgusting. And so, um, if you're no B G O Y and looking out there, hopefully you can look into. Uh, you know if it's not life-threatening to the woman and the due date was on this day can you, can you wiggle a little bit and, and try to look at how the body's physiology is to work and you know monitor them if you gotta and if there's something there you have something there and you gotta save them like i got it i'm not i'm not against emergency inter- intervention medicine I'm, I'm against interacting with the way that the body was made to make to to happen and then of course in the teeth we can also have heavy metals and, and, and mercury and cadmium and lead and other things that they use to have uh, fillings and composite fillings. And we know that um, some of these things can be a big deal. They can be obstructive to the upper airway system or create a high palate or sleep apnea and uh, other things that go along with that. And so, well, should we have our our, um, metals removed? Well, yeah, if it's positive. So there's a biological, biochemical reaction, it's bioenergetic, uh, that comes from the teeth. The teeth has a neurological relationship. They go to the brain. and The brain has other responses that go to the rest of the body. And then there's even a, a tooth slash lung slash meridian that goes along with it that you can actually measure that there's an electronic device called an AcuGraph. There's an electronic device that's called a whole body thermography. And they tell you, hey, is anything along this pathway um, screwed up and not firing right? And so that's where these things come in. So um, this is where biochemical pathways and hormones get get messed up because a tooth isn't right. Where, I mean, there is so much research that's come out of whole body thermography, um, mainly out of uh, Europe that's made it here. That's And this isn't just a thermography device. Nobody nobody should be using that. I'm talking about whole body thermography that uses a completely different sensor that goes through there, but it is checking um, the temperature differences in a physiological stress. So it's like, um, if I sit in my room with all my clothes on, I should have all my blood going to my limbs and everything's fine. And then I take my shirt off and it's going to be cool for 10 minutes. Guess what's going to happen? There should be a temperature gradient difference to the organs because I'm going into a more or less a fight or flight, but there should only be a certain amount of temperature, but I should never get warmer. If I'm warmer, then there's dysregulation. When you have dysregulation, things don't work. And so we can check that even dysregulation, because let's say the breast is related to molar number two. That's their connection. That's how they go through the nervous system in the brain. So if the tooth is off and there's some sort of infection, periodontal disease in there or a cavity that's going in there because cavity is really um, an infection, then we got a problem. Um, and so that's how you're trying to figure out all the different ways that, that, that go through there. And and this is if you're hearing me, this is why it gets so complicated and why so many people have to go to so many doctors because you can't know everything, and, and I can't either. But I try to know as much as we possibly can and go, oh, could it could be this, could it be this, could it be this, could it be this, and this, and go through there and um i mean and there there's other things that come to it if you've ever heard of dr bruce lipton he wrote a book called the biology belief and then um we can actually change your dna if we believe in the right way now there's a i I believe this has limitation to it but you can you can change the inflammation if your mindset changes it really does it really does and so um and in our office I, i don't fix you i help you heal yourself I just have to help find it and, and take out the interferences. Whether it's, you know, I mean, some people just have mental stress that's just kicking their in their butt or their their mental mindset. Uh, I I just told a a woman the other day. She talked about her bad knee, and I go, I got to tell you something about this, um, because they've done enough studies on it now that if you say my bad knee, my bad knee, my bad knee, guess what? It's a bad knee. Um, there's there's a, a connection that comes along to it. It's a, this knee hurts. That's fine. My bad knee is you're putting something in front of it, which then changes the chemistry and the electricity and the bioenergetics and the bioelectrics that's going into that, that symptom. And then you're actually getting a limbic response. So we're talking about a brain response. We have a smell that has a memory to it. It could be good or bad. But when you start saying my bad knee, you have a feeling, we know what it hurts. It hurts bad. And then we're saying it and then we're creating an inflammatory response to that. And what you end up getting is a centralized pain pattern and it never gets better. So it's trying to change that without getting into too much detail of what's going on there but people say that so we have to be careful now the meridians from your teeth go to the organ systems that we talked and when they're blocked it's like flipping a circuit breaker so the teeth can be circuit breakers just like the spine on the back why chiropractic works not all the time but why chiropractic can, can work assuming that there's no other inflammation <laughs> so let me be perfectly clear about that if you have a T2 that's rotated out to the right side and it has a neurological connection to your stomach and you have reflux and somebody goes and does an adjustment on that and there's nothing else happening in your body, guess what? You're probably going to get a hell of a lot better and that reflux is going to go away. But in today's world, how many people, just all they have, that's all they have. There's no other inflammation. There's no other autoimmune. There's no other mast cell or histamine responses. There's no other toxins in their body. There's no micro biome disruptions um and, and they're living at peace um in the world and nobody gives them any crap so when it has that it takes more and more adjustments to get through that so we try to that, that's particularly why i don't do that in the office because i have to go a little bit further and go through there but i'm not saying that nobody should ever ever do that because people do benefit from it and sometimes that's all they need cool um so roll with it but in oral care uh, what we see so much from the dental world and there's a lot of good dentists that are out there um, and just like in any field good and bad just like ours good and bad and then there are biological dentists and taking a weekend seminar and there are biological dentists that really do a great job and a great workup and they have the right thing so one of the, the things that I, I tell people because we have three really good ones in the Dallas Fort Worth area um, and, and, and you may not live there so what are you going to ask them do they, go, do, they do a, a cone um, so, there's x rays and there's like cone CT that comes around and it, it gets to check a little bit beyond what an x ray really will. That's really good. Do they do any type of um, fluoride treatments? Yes or no? Um, how do they remove their mercury? Do they use um, um, the right equipment that comes up so you're not um, orally doing that? And did, they, did they use any type of ozone? Uh, if you get into that, you're, you probably got somebody that knows what they're doing. If, if they do none of those and they're a biological dentist, I don't know what they're doing. It doesn't qualify. As that, so in, in oral care, um, everybody wants to kill everything. So again, back to the days uh, we had to have uh, Lysol or not Lysol, <laughs> Listerine, um, from Doctor Lister. Um, I really did enjoy my microbiology and cellular, um, talks of everything. So you have this multitude of bacteria in your mouth, and it's called your microbiome. And in our world, in the white coat syndrome world, we just go kill it. And so um, Listerine is one of the worst things you can have. It's full of alcohol, and then alcohol changes not only your microbiome in your mouth, but it changes the microbiome in your gut. Um, uh, So many alcoholics have so many microbiome issues, and alcohol does affect the liver, but it's the other toxins the body's producing through that, and what's called the biofilm that gets in there and just really messes it up. Now, um, let me tell you how much alcohol Listerine has. At one point, Russia decided to take it off of the shelves, or try to get alcoholism to go down so they tried to take vodka out the shell so everybody just started drinking mouthwash which actually had more alcohol um so yeah game on that so the scorched earth getting rid of all the microbes is not the way to go and um you know even even in the 70s and 80s when i was a kid uh, everybody was getting antibiotic then and then it just increased from that and if kid comes and sniffle whether it's a virus or not parents demand in the 2000 and on. Give me an antibiotic, you're gonna give me something. Um, so there's a, there's a problem for that. We, we've gotta get away from killing everything because that kills us. Now, I, I said a little thing about um, fluoride. And, and here's the deal. If you read the labels on your fluoride things, it says if you had more than a pea-sized amount of fluoride or toothpaste, you need to call poison control. I'll let that sink in, why? Because fluoride is toxic. And again, back into the 80s, uh, there was a toothpaste that tasted like bubble gum and all these kids were eating it and there were fluoride fatalities and it went up 280% that year. And it took 10 years from there to mid-90s before the FDA actually put a poison warning on it. So again, we, we put the, a pea-sized amount, brush your teeth with it, but a pea-sized amount is swallowed. You have to call poison control. This is not good. So that that's, a, that's an issue. Now, um... If you want to spend a couple hundred dollars on teeth, you can get this thing called hydroxyapatite nanoparticles, and it helps penetrate the membrane and helps get things in there, and you can actually make more um, enamel, or not enamel, you can get more minerals into the teeth, and teeth will actually be healthier. But the reality is that hydroxyapatite has calcium and phosphorus in the same minerals that come out of a healthy saliva. So that healthy saliva then helps to get this in there and get the microbiome and transports your teeth and gets things better. And these are all important. So if you don't have any saliva, it's going to be very hard to recover from long hauler uh, long haul COVID, um, and and so what do we got to do to to do about that? So that'll come to the treatment side of those. <clears throat> okay. So one of the the last topic here was um, we're looking at is when somebody has to have, or was told they need to have a filling or a root canal. So. The oral microbiome and, I mean, I was fascinated with teeth and what I learned in acupuncture before I ever went to uh, chiropractic or acupuncture school on those those things. But, um, or even the functional medicine side of it. But I couldn't do, well, there was two things. I didn't want to do optometry because I, I mean, I look in eyes every day, but um, a, an oozing eye is, I'll be frank, it freaks me out. So I don't want, <laughs> I don't want, I don't want any eye infections coming. And the other thing, um you know, it's kind of like a proctologist. I'm like, no, thank you. I understand that people have to do it, but I'm I'm not gonna do it. But in, in dental school, I just couldn't get behind the idea of a, a for whatever reason fundamentally in my brain, it didn't make sense to do a root canal. Now, in I mean, in, in dental school, they're they're told this is what they're supposed to do. They're they're supposed to, you know, in order to save the tooth, the procedure that comes out there is you're going to drill and fill, um, which really you're using formaldehyde and something in an embalming that's trying to cover it off. And a root canal is, is different um, because you're getting to the dead part of the tooth. But what the dead part of the tooth, anything, is called necrosis, necrotic tissue. It's dead. So if you cover necrotic tissue with something, everything down below is no longer getting uh, blood. It's going to die too. So when you have a um, dead organ, it has necrosis. It goes into the body and causes other things. So necrotic foot, let's say you have um, diabetic neuropathy and you have an ulcer and it's becoming necrotic. That's gangrene when it starts to spread. So we know that these aren't good. So why are we doing this two inches from your freaking brain in your head? I I don't know. A tooth is a living, breathing, it's got its own nervous system, circulatory system um, entity. It has, as we talked, that it's got that neurological and energetical connection to the rest of the body. It's a big deal. So, um, when it comes to biological dentists, we want the comb beam to take a peek at it. It's, I think believe it's a CT, because it can see beyond what an x-ray can't and see if there's any necrosis occurring. Because maybe somebody's had dental procedures, maybe somebody's had a root canal, um, or and maybe you have you know, you've got this long COVID. And you know you've had some teeth issues or you know you had some, some mold triggers or other things that affected your microbiome. Before you start doing all the microbiome or all the kids, I, I can't tell you. I said I would be willing to bet that 8 to 9 out of 10 people that go see a doctor in our functional medicine world that is only focused on parasites, mold, and, and, and um, Lyme, Babasia, Borrelia get worse that's what I'm seeing and, and maybe there are you know uh, other people but this is my observation over like 10,000 people that over the course of the last 20 years they've gotten worse and, it, and and it's not that they're doing anything I think really inappropriate I think it's the process of getting through there or that they needed to have you know it's okay in the middle of, of our treatment if I see somebody that has these things I'm like time out go see a dentist first and then come back to me and this is where i want to send you it's okay to send to send people away um, it's okay to go to another doctor, especially if they have nothing to do with what you do. But if you can't get rid of the necrosis and the, that debris isn't there, you just you have inflammation into your immune system that is perpetually being made. So we have to be very careful about that. Now, onto the drilling and filling, well, the, the most neurotoxic element on earth is mercury. And while mercury has been used since like 19, or 1863 the Civil War, um, it's still too interesting from in your brain. You know, neurotoxicity, mercury toxicity, and the symptoms of Alzheimer's is virtually the same. So we think about that when we have to have um, somebody go through a procedure like that is that we want to be very careful about what goes into their, their head or, or what goes through it. Um, I know this was a little bit longer than normal. I hope that this uh, at least makes a difference uh, of for your life, and if you like it, please share it with somebody. Um, and there will be more that comes off. So it, the uh, I hope you find what you need in your your health journey. If not, you can always go to our office at chooseandlive I'm Dr. Alan Trice. Great health does not have to be a mission impossible. Be well.
1: This podcast. Great health does not have to be a mission impossible, provides you information about evidence-based strategies for Hashimoto's hypothyroidism, gut health problems, digestion, autoimmune disease, brain health issues, and many other chronic health conditions. If you enjoy this podcast, you can find more information on today's episode, Nutrition, Dr. Trite's blog, and many other topics at choosenewleaf.com. There you'll have all the information and thank you for listening to this podcast. The best thing to do is sign up for his newsletter, where he'll update you on the latest research and clinical strategies related to chronic and autoimmune health conditions. You can find Dr. Trite's social media on Instagram and Facebook with the username New Leaf Health. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional health services, including the giving of medical advice. Note, no doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and materials linked to the podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not delay or disregard obtaining medical advice for any medical conditions they have, and should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions.